Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into this week's preview Fizzcast. Ian Unsworth alongside John Eads here to talk about Syracuse and Boston College. The Orange after falling to 1-6 with a loss last week to Wake Forest. Welcome the Eagles to the Dome. 2 p.m. kickoff for this one. Syracuse a 13.5 point underdog. We're going to look at BC in a second, going through some key players on both sides of the ball. Also talk about some lines and also the impact of the uh, Boston College win this year on the rivalry as a whole. But John, let's start with BC. Head coach Jeff Halfley, fresh from Ohio State, is leading the Eagles on somewhat of a resurgence. Absolutely. It's his first season as a collegiate head coach. He's been at a lot of stops in the NFL, college, most recently at Ohio State, who we know is a very prominent program. I really didn't expect much from this Boston College team coming into the year. I didn't know anything about Halfley, how he would do in a year like none other. Like there was no spring ball. He didn't have much time to learn his team, get to know his players. They're they cannot they're four and three. They almost beat Clemson last week. Now, minus Trevor Lawrence, mind you, but still that is incredible for a first year head coach at a school that's not, you know, recently been known to have great success as a football program, but uh, very impressed with what he's done. I really like this guy, too. I watched his press conference today. He's really funny. He's very personable with the media. Uh, just a great guy in general, and I'm really excited to see uh, Syracuse and Dino Babers go up against him this weekend. It's all about the culture, right? Isn't it always the head coach comes in, the new head coach? It's all about the culture. What are they establishing? What is the energy around the program? And I completely agree with you. Halfley seems fun. He seems super energetic. And he's really redirected a Boston College team that seemed headed down the wrong path, even though they thwomped Syracuse last year. Jeans, before we get into BC as a team, uh, let's throw the people the Fizz Factoid. You want to get it this week? Sure, yeah. We got the Factoid and a trivia this week. There were so many different kind of cool things I found doing some research. I wanted to do them separate. So the Factoid... The road team has won four straight in this series. Last year, obviously, Boston College won 58-27 to in the Carrier Dome, and it's going to be a back-to-back. Uh, Syracuse is going to have them back-to-back in the Dome. So the road team has won four straight, but there have been eight upsets in the last 10 meetings. So the favored team has lost eight of the last 10 times, and obviously Boston College a 13.5-point favorite this year. And last year, BC pretty much ran over Syracuse. It was all A.J. Dillon all the time all four quarters were controlled by the running back who's now with the green bay packers and most recently contracted COVID 19 hope he gets okay but that's beside the point this year bc has been pretty balanced as an offense but honestly has struggled on the ground more than they have through the air only averaging 94 yards a game on the ground but it's been quarterback phil jerkovic who's really running this offense. Yeah, the Notre Dame transfer, former four-star recruit in the 2018 class, the redshirt sophomore. Unlike Chris Blake, he was able to get instant eligibility, and he has been an instant impact for this Boston College Eagles offense. I mean, I was so surprised when I saw that 94 yards per game number on the ground because, you know, you look at BC over the last couple of years, Steve Adazio, BC likes to pound the ball, and then they beat you with play action with the tight ends. But no, this year, they're averaging uh, 363 yards a game, most of that coming through the air. So, very surprising. Jerkovic seems to have a 
confident pocket presence. The one play that sticks with me from this season is he had a, I believe it was a third and goal at Duke, and he rolled out of the pocket, scrambled left, dodged a defender, stopped stopped pretty much dead in his tracks, and threw a strike into his tight end in the back of the end zone. He brings such a different dynamic to this Boston College offense, but it's funny that the dynamic is just a confident quarterback. And that can mean the world in offenses today. I mean, look at Syracuse. We, I'm not sure that we have a confident quarterback on our roster and nobody to the level of his playmaking ability, but I'm really impressed by Dracovic. Uh I knew he'd be a baller before he even you know stepped foot on campus there uh, out in uh, BC. Uh, I watched him uh, play against Mi- Michigan last year. He was a Notre Dame quarterback. Came in. Notre Dame couldn't move the ball all day. They lost 49-14, but he came in. His first drive... He drove the Irish down the field against Michigan's starting defense, still in the game. He drove them all the way down the field and scored a touchdown. First time touching the field. Um, so you got to wonder, is he better than Ian Book? But that's, you know, that's that's a... Beside the point. The Beside the point. Yes. All right, so let's move on. His Jerkovic's backfield mate is David Bailey, who's ran for 304 yards on the year, four touchdowns, and spurned a Syracuse offer. He's not the most impressive back. He's no A.J. Dillon, but... I mean, Syracuse has he Syracuse made Kenneth Walker the third and Clyde Beale Smith look like Herschel Walker and Clyde Edwards Alaire. So we, anything is possible. We could certainly use David Bailey this year if he came to Syracuse. And this is something I want to get into at the end. Uh, you know, what are the implications of this game and, and the games going forward between Syracuse and BC? Because these guys battle for a lot of recruits here in the Northeast. You know, old uh, Big East foes. Um, so David Bailey, just one of a couple guys who I have on the on the list here who had offers from Syracuse, but obviously went to uh, Boston College or other places. And another guy that spurned a Syracuse offer, Zay Flowers from the great state of Florida, 536 reception, excuse me, 536 receiving yards on the year, 32 receptions, five touchdowns, uh, and he's a receiver that can do it on all three levels. A guy from Florida, he is insane. This this guy, like you said, makes plays all three levels. He can run the ball. He scored a touchdown on the ground. He has the second most receptions on the team behind Hunter Long, the tight end, who we'll get into in a second. But uh, a dynamic wide receiver, uh, a prototypical Syracuse receiver in Dino Baber's offense, which I'm sure is why he had an offer. But this guy runs their offense in the passing game. And Hunter Long, the tight end, I mentioned earlier the red zone threat. Well, only three touchdowns, but a big body in that red zone stands above all of the BC wide receivers. And you said the team best 41 receptions for 478 yards. No Syracuse offer, actually, for Hunter Long. He's from New Hampshire, you know, a Northeastern guy, but I guess Dino Babers just missed the mark on this one. Yeah, he had Syracuse looking at him, but for whatever reason, just no offer. And we sure love to have him. And so let's move over to the defense. Just a couple guys quickly to touch on. Two linebackers, Isaiah McDuffie, Max Richardson, tied for the team lead in tackles, both with 69. Nice. Uh, McDuffie is three sacks and a pick. A Buffalo native had an offer from SU but spurned it. And Richardson has a sack and a pass deflection. Two guys that will be very active, I'm sure, tackling uh, Cooper Lutz, I guess. Is yeah. that the name or, we're throwing out this Tucker. week? Yeah. Uh, I don't think Sean Tucker is going to play. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. Oh, I boy. do not envision Sean Tucker seeing the field this Saturday. Uh, one other guy on the defensive line, Jeeds, take it away. Yeah, defensive end Maximilian Roberts, four and a half sacks on the year, and this is something that came up in uh, Halfley's press uh, press conference. 
was the pass rush, and he's been impressed with how it's come along in the past couple weeks, and he said it was on full display against Clemson. So this guy has four and a half sacks. Uh, he's kind of the headliner of the group. We don't really have any other guys who put up crazy numbers, but uh, for a Syracuse offensive line that's struggled, but it's, got, it's been better in the past couple weeks, but struggled in totality this year. Uh, another dynamic pass rusher they'll have to put up with. I'm sure it'll be Matthew Bergeron tasked with uh, keeping this guy out of the backfield. But at least he's no Boogie Basham. Right. Let, let's right. just say thank you that Syracuse is done with Carlos Basham, hopefully for the rest of, I guess, eternity, because he's certainly going to be a first-day pick in the NFL draft uh, this, this spring. Okay, John, how does Syracuse win this game? Is there even a chance that Syracuse wins this game? I'm saying no. Because Syracuse, well, okay, I'm saying no because Dino Babers refuses to play a freshman quarterback, and it's a serious problem. Rex Culpepper continues to turn the ball over, making the same mistakes week after week, and I said probably two, three weeks ago that this 2020 season for Syracuse is about improvement, improvement for the future, and Rex Culpepper, he's not the future, number one. Number two, he has not been improving. So, why does Dino Babers keep starting him? And if Rex Culpepper starts, can you see Syracuse pulling a W out of this weekend? Well, as Dino said, uh, they're always playing to win. But if they're if it comes to the point in the game or in the season where you know they got to start looking at evaluation and looking towards development, is that not now though? It should be. It's, it it should, should be now. Yeah, but apparently Rex gives them the best chance to win right now, so that's who he's sticking with. Um, and I have three reasons here, three ways in which Syracuse can turn this game on Saturday and win. So the first, they got to make an impact on special teams. The BC's kickers have a touchback rate of 41%, which isn't very good. So that means, uh, you know, that you kick the ball twice. One time, maybe one time, you're going to have it go back for a touchback, 41%, just under half, right? So if the ball is not going into the end zone, it's going to be in play, and there will be a chance for Nikeem Johnson to make an impact in special teams. He is explosive. He is fast. Uh, he's shown he can take it the distance. So if he can get his hands on one and be able to take one back to the house, uh, you know that could have a huge role in the game. Number two, take advantage of penalties. BC has really struggled with penalties all year, right, Ian? Yeah. 75 penalty yards a game. That's 91st in the country. Syracuse, admittedly, has also struggled with penalties over the past couple weeks, but it's as Dino said, it's the young guys who are learning their way, I guess, on the uh, the trial by fire example, as we've been saying week after week. The young guys are just getting their feet wet. So Syracuse forcing BC into, mis- into mistakes, whether that's pass interferences, whether that's holdings, because I, maybe you know the D-line decides to get some pressure this week. Whatever it may be, taking advantage of that is going to be key. And getting pressure is actually our third key. Right, John? Yeah. So we, if Syracuse can force Jerkovic uh, to make some mistake, make some mistakes, which he hasn't done much this year, only four interceptions. But Syracuse obviously known for forcing turnovers. Can the defensive line, can the linebackers get pressure to make him force mistakes? BC's offensive line has allowed 22 sacks this year. So uh, if the front four, if the front seven, I don't know. It, it, Whatever we Tony White call really it. varies it up. If the front seven, we'll say, can get some pressure, uh, I think it gives Syracuse a great chance to turn the ball over and maybe score some points off of it and uh, win the game. All right, let's 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 talk about some lines before we get into this, I guess, 
bigger picture conversation. Syracuse, a 13.5 point underdog, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Is there any way Syracuse covers? Why is it that I, whenever I ask a question, it's, is, is there any way Syracuse can cover? Is there, it, it feel the hope is, I'm really struggling to find hope here, Jeeds, but let, let's take a holistic look at it. Is there any way Syracuse covers a 13 and a half point spread? Based on what I've seen, I, I no, don't think so. I, I'm yeah. completely in the no boat. There's, unless Dino gives Morgan the reins full time, which he won't. There's no way Syracuse covers. There's no the play calling's boring. The defense is at at look. Last week the running backs looked like watermelons, you know, greased up watermelons that the Syracuse Orange were trying to tackle in a lake. You, and you get that reference? Yeah, sure. That's one way to put it. That's yeah. But to jump in, I mean, even if Morgan, even if Babers puts Morgan in, like he's a true freshman quarterback who was, you know, very under-recruited, mind you, and we don't know too much about him. So I don't even, we don't even know if that helps their chances. But, you know, I think you do put Morgan in and because here's why. Everyone's down in the program right now. Fans probably don't really want to watch, you know, people I'm, don't want to read I'm, articles. I'm ready for basketball season. Right. I'm ready for basketball season. Three this, weeks away, folks. Three weeks away. Hold strong. <laughs> this team, this program needs a resurgence, a jolt of energy here late in the season. And by putting in a true freshman quarterback who could be the future of the program, I think you get that interest all back. You know, because we, I think Rex Culpepper has reached his ceiling with this team. I think the team has reached its ceiling with him, uh, you know, calling the plays, or behind center, rather. So I think to, to you know, put, get some energy back, get some life back into the fan base, into the program, I think you've got to put Jacoby and Morgan in uh, a lot more, if not make him the starter for the last couple games this year. But regardless, even if Jacobian Morgan comes in and plays like a freshman All-American, he's still next to a sixth-string th- sixth running back. Am I right? right. On? That, that's about so, somewhere around yeah. there, deep in the depth chart. The wide receivers are not talented enough. Taj Harris's attitude is all over the place. There, There is not enough talent on the Syracuse team to cover a 13.5-point spread against Boston College, sad enough to say. The, uh, our good friend Josh paid at late kick on 247 Sports, for whatever reason— on his ramen noodle express, which is his like five best bets of the week, right? He took Syracuse last week. What was it? Uh, Eleven points against Wake. It, whatever it was, it was a bit foresighted. Let's put it that way. If you uh, were to ask us if he should do that, we would have said no. Yes. the uh, The point total is fifty three and a half. Um, I'd probably take the under just because there's no way Syracuse mm-hmm. is scoring any more than fourteen points. Um, and I'm not sure how long Halfley keeps Dracovic in this game. That's those are my only two points on the point total. Anything, Jeeves? Yeah, I'd take the under as well. I think BC's got such a great defensive unit behind Halfley, who's a defensive coach, and then they got the pieces on the offensive side just to, you know, get up thirty five, three, something like that, and then just cruise the rest of the way. Yeah, there's there's not much offensive greatness that's going to take place this Saturday. Last but not least, let's take a look at the bigger picture. Right? The rivalry between Syracuse and Boston College is long-standing. It's not necessarily a, been a football rivalry throughout, you know, the whole the whole of its tenure. However, it's definitely true today now that these are the two northernmost teams in the ACC and they're competing for players as we've mentioned throughout this podcast. They're competing for players in the Northeast. In my opinion, maybe it's me just being short-sighted because, you know, we've only been here for 2 years and haven't seen a ton of Syracuse football. 
I feel like this rivalry has already swung yeah. in BC's favor. Yeah, I, I agree. And if you're a recruit right now, and mind you, there's not a ton of talent from the Northeast on a year-to-year basis. There's obviously the creme de la crop at the top. There's those a, guys typically yeah. go other places. There's right? a lot so. from Massachusetts, but those guys are looking at the Michigans, the Notre Dames, and the SEC schools. Mm-hmm. And the, okay, and the Ohio States. I can't right. just not mention Ohio State right. in there. But even Penn State. Yes, the four stars, the five stars are looking at the Big Ten schools. And they're looking at either Clemson or an SEC program. It, 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 people are not lining up to go to Syracuse or Boston College, for that matter. Right. And when it comes down to SU and BC, though, say you're a three-star recruit from, I don't know, um, Westchester, New York. Which program would you rather go and play for right now? Which program do you think has the culture and has things in the right trajectory? Uh, it's a pretty easy answer. Yeah. One year of Jeff Halfley who turns around a team that was struggling with no identity under a pretty boring head coach, this is now, it's not an offensive juggernaut or a defensive stalwart by any chance, but it's a team with a quarterback that's going to stick around for at least one or two more years. Talent, a budding talent, I would say, at many positions. And overall, a team that just has good energy and feels like it's moving in the right direction. That's Boston College. That is the team you want to go play for because they will see success in the upcoming years. Is it going to be win the ACC success? No, but it'll be bowl game, couple a couple of bowl games, a win or two, and successful winning. Uh, most most importantly, honestly, if I'm a recruit, back to back to back, there will be multiple winning seasons. And Syracuse does not look like a team that is positioned to climb out of the cellar of the ACC in any sort of way. Right, and BC passes the eye test as well. Halfley brought this up in his presser. I feel like it's a broken record at this point. He brought this up. Um, You know, you flip on the TV on Saturday, BC's beating Clemson, the number one team in the country at halftime. They're taking them to the wire. Now, Syracuse played them tough as well, but every other Syracuse game is barely even televised. BC is passing the eye test right now. They have everything that Syracuse has. Great school, uh, you know, in a great city, nice big city. They're in the ACC. And then some, because a, a new coach in there, the program is trending the right direction. They have a winning record. Uh, there's a tradition of winning there. I mean, this this game, this series has huge implications for Northeast recruiting, which is kind of just what I wanted to touch on a little bit today. Yeah, you turn on the TV, BC's beating Duke handily. BC is keeping it close with North Carolina. BC is beating Pitt. Well, keep in mind, Pitt, no, you know, Kenny Pickett's, been injured and that program's kind of fallen by the wayside but still beating Pitt 31 to 30 and I mean they got smoked by Virginia Tech but then they beat Georgia Tech handily and at either way BC has just put together solid performances and in most of their games they're playing four good quarters of football which Syracuse just simply hasn't done and to go back to some of the guys we've talked about that had Syracuse offers but decided to go to BC, look at the impact they're making for their teams. David Bailey destroyed Syracuse last year. He's now the starting running back at BC. Zay Flowers running the show in BC at wide receiver. We'd love to have him here. Hunter Long, a beastly tight end, leading the team in receptions. He's an NFL prototype tight end. He's going to be playing on Sundays. Defensively, two linebackers. Linebackers is a position we have a big weakness in. We would love to have these guys. Isaiah McDuffie, Max Richardson. I mean, McDuffie, you cannot, a Buffalo, New York native, you cannot be losing these guys to Boston College. You just can't. Well, if Syracuse is going to turn around any sort of 
success out of this year, whether it's recruiting in 2022 and beyond, or whether it's just picking up, I guess, a bit of steam to end this season, it's going to have to start with a win this Saturday. Syracuse taking on the Boston College Eagles at 2 p.m. here in the Carrier Dome. We will be tuned in, and I'm sure you guys will be as well. John, anything else before we close it out? Yeah, let's close it out with the Fizz trivia, baby. All right, so here we go. This one is um, pretty um, reflective of our current situation, I suppose. Who did Boston College play after Clemson last year, and what was the score? Uh, Boston College came to the Dome last year, yeah? Yep. And Boston College beat Syracuse, as we've mentioned plenty of times it feels like now, 58-27. to That wraps it up for Ian Unsworth and John Eads here on FizzCast, well, the Boston College FizzCast preview. Thank you so much for listening, and go Orange.